Templin, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you just fine, and I'm... Uh... Well, hopefully we're supported by uh, technology here. So I'm, I'm Steve Templin. I'm a doctor of oriental medicine. I've been doing this for about 35 years now. And uh, I'm at a, chain, a time in my life that there's about to be a big change. I'm closing my brick and mortar practice in Lakeland um, <clears throat> and moving to the Pacific Northwest. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll continue working, but just doing online coaching. Um, and I can, I can, and that's where my practice has evolved over all of these years, really teaching people uh, how to change their brain to deal with chronic pain, anxiety, or other chronic illnesses. Um, because it's looking more and more um, like most chronic conditions are driven by the brain. Um, and then, you know, if you had shoulder pain or neck pain or back pain, you might think that that was uh, caused by the spine. And it is about three to 5% of the time. But the rest of the time, that pain is driven by stress-induced circuits in the brain that respond best to an approach that really treats the brain. Uh, so that's where my practice has evolved over really three decades to realize that most issues, and the, re the reason that most issues don't change and last is because most of these things are driven from our inner life um, and most treatment approaches are ignoring that. Okay, so when you say uh, illnesses are sort of like mind over matter, I guess, well, I'll give you an example of, of how it tends to uh, of how it tends to work. It might it's easier to use pain as an example, but uh, other illnesses like GI problems and skin rashes, um, the mechanism is pretty similar. But just say for pain. Um, <clears throat> If, if nobody ever taught me how to deal with my emotions, and especially being a man, I was taught that it was a sign of weakness to, to admit to too much emotional upset. It was better to suck it up, you know, keep a stiff upper lip. Um, so I can learn how to take my emotions and this becomes an unconscious process once we've learned how to do it. And especially if we've experienced some kind of significant stress or trauma, uh, it, it's totally unconscious. But I can learn how to hold emotions in, ignore them, dissociate from them, so that emotional experience kind of like lives in my basement. And uh, consciously, I may have little awareness of it. When I was a when I was a teenager and learning to drive, <clears throat> um, I remember driving with my friend Bradley 
and somebody cut us off or would do something that was dangerous and really a lot of unpleasant language blurted out of my mouth and I was very angry. And uh, my, my friend Jeffrey was laughing. I said, what are you, what, why are you laughing? We, we almost really got hurt just now. And he said, who are you? I go, what are you talking about? He said, you're this mellow, shy guy who just went a little nuts. Where did that come from? And you know, that came from my basement. It got triggered and I guess the car was a safe place to vent. But we hold things in. And from my clinic, clinical experience working with people all these years and, and the growing body of research suggests that human beings can only carry a certain burden before that emotional energy leaks and causes symptoms. So some of the same circuitry in the brain that would reflect, say, my anxiety or my anger or my grief, that same circuitry when a, when a neurological switch is flipped could also reflect physical pain. So um, one of my mentors in this area was a Dr. Sarno from York, who became famous by writing books about how to heal your back pain without getting treatment, but by writing expressively, getting your feelings out. And especially, this was especially true for kind, caring people, people who didn't make waves, who might help others at their own expense. Uh, the kind of people you'd probably like to have for a friend. But these people were even more vulnerable to that emotional burden of holding in too much. And uh, he got tremendous results helping these people by, number one, helping them understand, even though they had changes in their spine, and a bad disc or some arthritis, that for the most part, that meant nothing. And the research shows that three to five percent of back pain is is caused by a structural problem. The rest is stress-induced, brain-driven muscle tension um, due to unresolved suppressed emotion. So Sarno became um, very well known by helping people by giving them a piece of paper and a pen and say, "Get it out," you know. We, we don't want you to hurt anybody or kick the dog, but you're too nice for your own good. Express it, express it, express it. And if you want to do some counseling, you could do that. If you want to learn to meditate or practice some mindfulness, you could do that as well. Um, but that was what um, clicked for me when I saw his literature, because it, it made sense to me in terms of a lot of the people I had seen. You could help somebody with massage or acupuncture or trigger point work with pain. Um, but before long, it usually comes back. So this is really true for chronic issues. I mean, if you just, you know, hurt yourself uh, in some athletic endeavor, 
that's an acute injury and we want the body to heal. But six months later, a year later, when you, you know, lift something and you think you lift it wrong, you say, oh, that's that. It's most likely not that. Uh, the body has memory, but injuries heal. And usually when things linger and come back and are chronic, the brain is driving the experience and treating the local body part can be helpful in offering relief, but very likely if it's a chronic issue, it doesn't last, it may go somewhere else or just come back. And um, the lasting treatment for that is to address emotional energy. And that's something people can learn to do for themselves, which puts them um, in a lot more control over their health. So if number one, they learn that it's really not the disc or whatever else they might believe was causing the issue. That lack of now worry or concern about, say, a, a disc in their lower back removes fuel from the brain circuitry that causes the distress. And on top of that, if they have tools to reconnect with emotional energy and change their brain, um, they can be tremendously empowered to change their life. And um, as soon as we begin practicing some of these self-regulation exercises, uh, you know, something as simple as noticing your breath or noticing what you feel in your heart, or for that matter, your right big toe, that bodily awareness, being curious, non-judgmental, and it might seem a little flaky to those who don't know about this. But as soon as we begin to notice the body kindly, without judgment, and our feelings as well. Um, we begin to slow down and organize our brain waves that creates a new neuro neurological state that doesn't support inflammation, that doesn't support unnecessary muscle tension or pain. Um, but it involves homework and you know a lot of folks Homework isn't their first choice. They want somebody to fix them. And for those people, um, this may not be an exciting bit of news, but for folks who want to take more responsibility for their own life and their own care, this to a very large degree puts them in the driver's seat. Okay, so for those of us who lead busy lives, work, kids, school, whatever it is, you know, we may have going on. Um, and this is sort of a two-part question. The first part would be, when would be a good time to practice, whether it's in the morning when you first get up, so you may have to get up a little bit earlier, or, you know, to do something right before you go to bed. And the second part is, I mean, how, how can people or what suggestions can you make to people as far as carving out time, you know, and in terms of how much time it will take, what can you do, you know, specifically as a beginner, you know, just to 
because you have to do something consistently for it to become a habit. So if you do it on Monday, but not Tuesday, and et cetera, it's, it's not going to be really effective. Good question. And that is, that is the big question. When I, when I started doing this, most of the research around meditation and mindfulness of which this is a, a version, or at least a piece of it, um, a lot of research was done on 20 and 30 minute periods showing brain and physiology changes, and it was remarkable. So in the early days, I, I focused more on that to support people in making a specific time, protracted time, 20 minutes, ideally. Um, but over the years, I've, I've changed that because this is not valuable at all if people can't do it. Um, so, if if I to, if if I become aware, like right now, I'm in the process of packing and organizing to um, move to the uh, other corner of the country, to Washington State, and so I've got list on top of list on top of list, and don't want to forget things and this and that. So. If, if I become aware of uh, the things to do and feel a, a bit overwhelmed, just, you know, you get triggered a little bit. Oh my gosh, that, um, here would be my strategy. To catch it, catch the thought and feeling overwhelmed or put upon or whatever the thought would be, just catch it and say, tune into my chest. And it feels a little heavy. And take one slow breath, five seconds in, five seconds out. And if we were in the middle of a conversation and I was listening to you, you'd never even know I was doing it because my eyes are open. Um, but that 10 second um, timeout would help me to move from my limbic emotional brain, amygdala that registers fight or flight and all kinds of programs for me to deal with stress and maybe in ways that I've dealt with it since I was a four-year-old. That 10-second breath inhibits the limbic system and moves me prefrontal. It also slows down my brain waves, probably from a beta wave to an alpha. <clears throat> and I'm going to be more able to think a little clearer. Now, I may not feel tremendously different. I may still have angst about the list. I might feel a little relief. And if that would happen, that's fantastic, you know. Um, but that's where I start with most people today. And I do that all day long. Um, even if it was nothing in particular triggering me, it would be like, you know, in, in my brain now, it's like maybe every 15 minutes or at least once an hour. I'll tune in, I'll become aware of my body, because as soon as we're aware of the body, neurology changes, sensations, feelings. Some people will feel energy. They'll say, oh, that kind of moved in my chest or my torso. Um, it doesn't matter what we're feeling. 
But if we can shift from that robotic thinking, wondering, analyzing, worrying, fantasizing, to connect with the moment. Uh, and if you do it for 10 seconds, once an hour or once every 15 minutes, anybody can do it, really. We're not trying to change anything. We're not trying to fix anything, but we're showing our nervous system that it has options. And I think the more we do that at some point, some inner regulatory part of us, some part of the psyche says, son of a gun, this guy is serious about changing how he lives and how he feels and how well, let's work with them. And then that could affect uh, my dreams or my mood, my chemistry. It, it could affect me across the board. Um, but a, a little of the neuroscience is when I move out of the amygdala or out of the limbic, emotional, old programmed brain and go more prefrontal, I'm more creative. I'm much more likely to have a creative solution to a problem that wasn't available to me before because my brain was shut down functionally. But I make a bigger brain and I'm gonna be more resourceful, more resilient, not only creatively and intellectually, but biochemically. I'm gonna make um, less stress chemistry. I'll make less cortisol, less adrenaline. Now, if I need cortisol, I'll make uh, and in place of those chronic stress-related hormones that uh, fuel adrenal fatigue or exhaustion, which we don't want, uh, we can shift into making uh, hormones that support resiliency, like DHEA or oxytocin, you know, that helps us bond and be open-hearted with people that we care about. So. That 10 second exercise, uh, and I'll be glad to repeat it or explain the steps if, if we want to. Um, as simple as that looks, that can be a profound way to change the system. And it lets the system know that it, with a little practice, it can change gears on a dime. You know, we don't, we don't uh, need to shave our heads uh, or wear an orange robe or believe anything new. We can just start to appreciate um, the wisdom in our own physiology, factory equipment. Um, I could say more about the heart in terms of the fact that it's so much more than a the heart has its own brain. And if I'm noticing that I'm sad or anxious or scared or feeling courage, my brain is informing, my heart is informing the brain in my head that that's what I'm feeling. Um, the heart is an organ of intuition. Uh, and most of us are so stuck in our head thinking that 
we save heartfelt stuff for, you know, Hallmark cards and family gatherings and poets and sages. But the truth is, um, and supported by some wonderful new neurology in a new field called neurocardiology, our heart, this factory equipment we have stored right in the middle of our chest, is probably our greatest ally in learning to live more creatively and to mitigate suffering. So for us, because I've been doing a little bit of research and this seems to be uh, beneficial where, like you said, we take many breaks throughout the day where we focus on our breathing and it can help to relieve anxiety or uh, on our breaks at work, if possible, we can take a five or 10 minute walk. Um, Physicians are now saying, you know, doing something is better than doing nothing. So with your practice, it sounds like we're all in agreement here that it's a lot of what we think about has good and bad effects on how we operate as people going through our daily lives, the things that we do, how we do them. You know, some people, they get up five o'clock in the morning, get the kids ready for school and doing whatever they got to do during the course of the day. And they're going to bed 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you're laying there for an hour before you go to sleep. You know, all of this can be, I guess, better controlled if we get our mind to help regulate how our body operates. Yeah, I think for me and a, and a lot of the people that I've worked with, just knowing that we have hidden capacities to help ourselves, um, that can be very, you know, very good news and offer some relief just to know that, oh my gosh, you mean to tell me that if I spend a little time learning how to live in my own skin differently, how to notice my breath, notice feelings, sensations, that I can change hormone levels? You're telling me that if I wrote about how angry my boss makes me and how disappointed I am with certain kind of treatment, that that could actually help with my neck or back pain or my headaches? Um, you know, if we, if we needed a loophole so that we felt more in control and more resilient and uh, more capable of taking care of ourselves and our family, uh, just understanding some of these principles can do that. And that means less anxiety right off the bat, um, less worry that's less fuel for the circuitry in the brain that causes so many of these problems. Okay. So you mentioned you're gonna be moving physically to the other side of the country. Um, I know how to find you. But for those who 
may want to partake of your practice, how would they find you? There are a couple of ways, and none of my contact information changes, so that's uh, that's good. Um, my website is my name, stevetemplin.com, and just the home page gives you this whole um, new information of a new medical model based on dealing with our inner life to affect our, you know, to support our health. And I could give a phone number as well. Um, and that's 863-838-2779. So either of those ways. And, if, if, and for people that have often seen my website or something that I've done online that would like to work with me or do some uh, what I would call self-regulation coaching, my program is called Biofield Brain Balance energy and emotions. Um, but I asked those folks to call me. Uh, so we get to chat. They get to know me a bit. I get to know them to make sure that it's um, us working together would be a right fit. Um, and uh, well, I'm not sure, Gary, how much time we have left. I was going to bring something up, but I, I don't want to get into something new if we're uh, if we're limited on time. Yeah, we've got about five minutes. Okay. I'll share this, and this might be uh, helpful for you or folks listening. That Dr. Sarno that I mentioned, who was a he ran a rehab clinic affiliated with the New York University. And he was the one that really discovered that a lot of pain is uh, driven by suppressed emotion. And rather than making people do physical therapy or injecting them, that they, they did better ultimately by learning how to uh, deal with emotion. What he also discovered was that for every 10 people that he assessed and then told them what would be best for them based on his experience. Only two people out of the 10 would come back. So for some reason, 20% thought that this made a lot of sense, that yeah, my mind and body and emotions are connected. And the other 80%, it just didn't click for them. Um, about 15 years ago, I came across some literature based on research done on highly sensitive people. And this was research done by a therapist named Elaine Aaron. Um, and it turns out that 20% of the population, 15, 20% of the population, their nervous systems, their brains register more than the other 80% of the population. They are more sensitive to love train whistle blows, more of their brain lights up than the other 80%. And it made a lot of sense to me that I think Dr. Sarno, the 20% of the folks who chose to work with him were most likely highly sensitive people. And that's what I found in my practice as well. People who are impacted by life more, and that can be a, 
a challenge to be sensitive in a world that doesn't really honor and respect them. But the highly sensitive folks, and I'm one of them, uh, also learn the self-regulation skills more easily because they're sensitive. And uh, it also helps them not only to resolve their discomfort or their illness or their anxiety, but also <clears throat> it allows them to be more whole and to discover what may be hidden gifts in creativity. Um, so over the past 15 years, I've worked more and more with highly sensitive people because they were never taught how to live in their own skins with that sensitivity. And, and as a result, they often suffered more. But these, these tools are um, very helpful for those folks. Okay, Dr. Templin, uh, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to have this conversation with me. Uh, I'll do my best to share this information so people who may be interested in what it is you have to offer, you know, they, like you said, they should be able to find you on your website. Uh, I will extract that information here so I can post it out there for people to find it because in this day and age where we're so busy running up and down, going here, going there, you know, some people find it difficult to carve out a few minutes out of their day to take a breath, mm. to regroup, to, yep. you know, try to hold it together instead of, you know, freaking out. So uh, this information, hopefully, It'll be helpful to those who sit down and listen to it. I know you and I worked briefly together probably a few years ago when I lived in Lakeland. So, you know, I'm aware of who you are and you were one of the first people I thought about in terms of getting your information out there. Uh, I'm quite sure due to uh, the pandemic, we've had to adjust as far as using technology more as opposed to having patients yeah. in your office, but, um, you know, some, a lot of us do use technological devices. So hopefully this will be an opportunity for, you know, people to take the time to utilize the technology and utilize your services to help them improve what they've got going on. Well, Gary, I, I appreciate you asking me. And I think, one of the messages for a lot of folks is just for them to know that they have options that you know embedded in their own brain and nervous system they have options for, for becoming more resilient and whether it's something i do or something else they find online that takes advantage of those of that new model um, people are very overwhelmed these days with uncertainty and anything that gives us uh, a chunk of hope or a new potential, um, that can go a long way. So it's my, my pleasure sharing what I do. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Templin. And hopefully we can keep in touch so we can find out if people are listening to this, you know, on their little downtime. And hopefully it will yeah. increase your client base. And, you, and know, you can always you can always reach me at my email, which stays the same, and that's simply Dr. Templin at Gmail. 
Thank you very much, sir. We greatly appreciate your time and we shall keep in touch. My pleasure, Gary. Have a good afternoon. You too, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.